we're going to kick things off with some prayer this morning, and uh, then we're going we're gonna to get into it. So let's pray. God, we are so incredibly thankful to be gathered into this place this morning. As I look out over this congregation and I see folks that I have not seen in a while, and it warms my heart to see them, as I meet new folks that I've never met before, but they're here for one reason or another, it warms my heart to see them. As I see the folks that I only get to see once a week because I, I, I don't get to see them throughout the week, it's always good to come back into this place. It's like a reset for the week. We can just come and, and take a breath, sing songs, pray prayers, take communion, hear the scriptures read, hear a word about them. This is, this is our fueling station for the week, Lord. And so as we come into this place, we pray that you would fill our hearts and our minds and our bodies with everything that we need for the week ahead. Because when we go back out those doors, while we are still a part of your family, we're still the church, we enter out into the world where really the real mission work happens. And so we need this time right now. But we also realize that we don't come here, and it's, it's not all about us. We don't come here because we're getting something out of it, even though we do. We come here to pause and fix our focus and attention on you, the source of our strength the source of our love, the source of our ability to show forgiveness and mercy to those who need it most. And so we fix our attention on you right now. We realize that we come into this place, there, there are some ways in which we failed you this week, that we have taken our eyes off from you, we've turned them inward, we've, we've done things to satisfy our own desires and needs, and because of that, uh, we have left things undone. There, there are ways that we've harmed other people. We've harmed ourselves. And so we want to take just a moment to confess to you the things that are deep in our hearts, maybe things that we haven't even said to those closest to us. But we know that you are closer than our very breath and that you love us even in the midst of our sin. So as we pause for just a moment, silence in the room, we're going to lift up our confessions to you. Hear them now, Lord. God, we read in the Scriptures how you sent your only Son while we were still sinners. And because of that, we know exactly how you feel about us, even in our sinful state. We trust and accept that in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. God, now that we are cleansed of that, now that we are set right with you, we also want to bring to you the, the things that are heavy on our hearts, names of people and situations that as we spend this time focusing our attention on you, 
perhaps could be distractions because we're worried about other things. And so we're going to call out these things to you, and we're going to give them to you to take from us, to trust that you are working toward the good of those who love you. And we're not going to pick that up during this worship hour after we say these out loud. So as we call these out, we ask that, Lord, in your mercy, you hear our prayer. Jay Ramo. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We need rain and lower temperatures. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Donna Kilgore. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. The Glenn family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Thankfulness for Brother Mike. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Tracy and Jack. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Grace Walk, 102 and 103. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Mike Mark. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. To those people that are grieving the loss of a loved one. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. James and Charles C. Estridge. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. The young lady I talked to in Crowfield. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. God, I'm sure that there are many unspoken requests in this place this morning. Sometimes we don't even know how to begin to articulate our deepest needs to you. But I also know that Scripture tells us the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf when we don't know how to pray. And so even now, you are hearing these things. We thank you for that. We thank you that you are in this place. Fill us with all love and unity for one another. And may we be the hands and feet of Jesus this day and always. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. So Brother Tom's going to be preaching on Luke chapter 15, 11 through 32. I'm going to read that for you before we take up our offering. Listen now for a word from the Lord. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything... A severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. 
But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found." A word from God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. I want you to listen not just to my words, but listen to the heart of God in you. Christ is in you. Hope of glory. I cannot tell you how much of a joy it is to be here and then to see Tony and Anita. I was diagnosed with hydrocephalus. Similar to Parkinson's, but not quite. Went to an exercise class with her, met Tony, and they drove all the way over from Hideaway to be here today. Tony and Anita. Say hi, Tony, Anita. Hi, Tony, Anita. Anita. They surprised you. <laughs> totally surprised you. Say hello, Grace. Hello, Grace. <laughs> that didn't sound good. Hello, Grace. Hello, Grace. I think my voice is going to hold up, but my memory may not. After Nan crossed the river, just a little bit earlier, Judy's husband had died. They were married 44 years. Judy and I have been married now about almost four. And Nan and I were married 51 years. Many of you came to our 50th wedding anniversary. If you were there, raise your hand. Many of you, thank you so much. And I'm going to be forgiven for this, I think. But Judy has been such a blessing to so many people. And she kept singing a song when we got married that I'm going to ask her. 
and I, this is unrehearsed. You didn't know I was going to do it. No. But you'll forgive me. What song is it? You'll know. And I know you can do it. Please forgive me. Change. Because when we got married, we realized things are changing. Have y'all noticed things are changing? Do you know how many swings it takes to change the light bulb? Only one, but the love bulb has got to want to be changed. We're living in changing times, amen? amen? And I love to hear amens. I also love to hear you say, if I'm not doing good, say, help him, Jesus. <laughs> Forgive me for asking you to sing the song about... the last 20 years especially. But guess what? I have no control over it. Every day I try to say, God help me to have the serenity to accept what I can't change. Courage to change what I can. Hello. I'll get it. Is that any better? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Are you through listening? No. <laughs> Kim, we'll start the slides in just a minute. Don't start the slides yet. Prodigal son. Did you know that the word prodigal is not in the Bible? Not in the Bible. It's a commentary. It's a comment. It's called the younger son. Would somebody be willing to be a volunteer and look up the dictionary definition of prodigal? And you won't interrupt me if you'll just say, I'm ready to read the definition of prodigal. I want to hear it. There's actually three players in this. Oh, go ahead. Give me a slide now, if you would, Ken. So this is one of our pictures from Christmas last Definition of prodigal. Thank you. And up at the top left is a picture of Prodigal Son by Rembrandt. And so you've got the younger son, the father. And where would you think the older brother was? Up on the right. So which one are you? Which one are you? Are you the younger son? Are you the prodigal? Are you the younger son? Are you the older son? Who has it all together and does what's right? Are you the father who knows how to listen? And be quiet and forgive and forgive. When Jesus said, forgive and love your enemies, did he mean that? I say he did. Three individuals, father, two sons, but there was another person in the story that was the saddest. Who was the saddest? 
Who was the saddest of the whole story? The fatted calf. I'm going to bring real quick into the sermon. I've had the opportunity to thank Jack Cox for getting me started. How many know of Jack Cox? He lives in Hideaway, but he just moved. And so Jack gave me several churches. I pastored really six little Methodist churches. But three years here, these were so special. After that, I did some military work. But I was preaching when I came back. I was preaching at New Hope Methodist somewhere in East Texas. And I had, not, half the people were hard of hearing. What? <laughs> so, forgive me, Jimmy. One time I said, I want to make sure y'all hear me. Is there anybody out there that cannot hear me? Nobody raised their hand. So I said, if you can hear me, raise your hand. So one, one man about 80 years old that had been the town drunk said, I hear you, Brother Tom, and you're a damn good preacher. What do you say after that, Jimmy? I just, I just said, I love you too, Adrian. But easing into the sermon, we're living in a divided country, divided churches. I understand that. And we can still show kindness and love as the Father did. So one of the churches I was pastoring, was I won't say which, wanted to vote a certain way about the president. And I knew how they voted. Most voted this way. So before the service started, these are funny stories as a preacher. I sat down by them and I said, you know what? They were different persuasion. We're going to be okay. Our country's okay. We are an American system. We're going to come together. One of them said, Tom, I don't believe in preaching and talking about politics in church. I was talking about America. Met somebody at Cracker Barrel one time with a Vietnam cap. I said, thank you for your service. He said, I want you to know, sir, I did not fight for Republicans or Democrats, but Americans. We have lost something, y'all, and we need to regain it. If we don't, it's going to be bad. But anyway, I went to this couple that I knew was a little bit different from the rest of the church. We're going to be okay. He said, I don't believe in talking about politics in church. Furthermore, I don't believe in talking about religion in church. <laughs> I could tell you more and more stories, but I won't. The book of Luke, written by a physician. I have grown to appreciate, you got a slide for me up there? I've got, next one, I've got a slide for you. Can you find that one, Ken? It's okay. Is there one more after that? Can't find it? It's okay. If I depend on that, I'm not a preacher. (laughs) Okay. I'll just do what I normally do. 
Luke chapter 15 from the message. By this time, a lot of men and women of questionable reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. Were the Pharisees listening? Religious scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased, they growled. He takes in with sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. And then Jesus goes into the parable of the lost coin, and then he talks about the, point, the story of the lost sheep. Then he goes into the younger son. Listen to the word of God by the message. Then he said, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I won't. He didn't say, I won't. He said, I won't now. He didn't say now. He said, I won't right now. Right now. The younger son was coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. In those days, the older child got most of the inheritance. But he knew that he would be giving some to his younger son. And so there, undisciplined, dissipated, after he left for a while, he wasted everything he had. Listen, listen to that. He wasted everything he had. Have you come to the point where you say, I don't know where to go. There's only one place to go. That's to the Lord. And if you can't find the Lord, you find somebody. Talk to Jimmy. Talk to Dan Matthew. Talk to Frank. Talk to somebody. He's here, and he's alive. We sometimes say, Lord, we're coming to your presence. Are we ever out of his presence? We're just not aware of it. I think when Moses saw the burning bush, I think he passed that burning bush several times but just didn't realize it because he had his agenda to do. I've got to do this, 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 this. Are we stopping and doing what God said? Be still and know that I am God. We're not doing that. And we've lost, we've lost our center. So he signed on with a citizen and began to feel him the famine that was in the land. And he was assigned to the fields to slop the pigs. We get a picture of that. Here's a Jew working with pigs. So no, no. He was so hungry he would have eaten the corn cobs of the pig slop, but no one would give him any. Anybody know what a... It says... Corn cob. He would not let him have that to eat. He came to the end of himself. Now, if he had not come to the end of himself, would he have gone back to the father? I don't think so. And if the famine had not been there, would he have gone back? Was he going back to the father just because he wanted something to eat or because he wanted to restore his relationship? I say both. I say both. We're human. 
But I try not to say the word, we're just human. We are children of God. And if you're not already, you're about to become because prevenient grace has already claimed you. So believe you are the child of God, no matter what, and he'll take care of you. But also make sure you're living the way you need to by way of all relationships. Forgive. If I had one message I would preach, after 45 years of counseling and preaching, I would say, Phil, forgive, forgive, forgive. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I'm not sure the younger son knew what he was doing, but he thought he did. He thought he knew what was right. That brought him to his senses. If there were one verse in the New Testament that I would say is the key verse, it's that one. He came to himself. He came to his senses. Are we walking by our senses spiritually? Are we walking by the senses of the world? Is there any area you need to work on today? Think about it. That's between you and God. That brought him to his senses, he said. All those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day. And here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired servant. He got right up, right up, and went home to his father. In those days, I bet that father knew where that boy was. Small area, not very many miles probably. But did the father go find him? We have no record of that. He may have. I don't know. But the father knew someday he would come back. I work with couples in divorce and all sorts of problems. I just got through working with a case, and I'll keep it confidential. Ten years ago, she really hired powerful attorneys and accused her husband of things that he did not do. He lost custody of of his two kids. I said, please don't give up. Don't get better. She's now caving in after 10 years, and his relationship with his sons is starting to improve. If you sow, you're going to reap. And he's been patient, and he's one of my heroes. And you know who I'm talking about. So does the father sit out there on the front porch every day and spend eight hours a day looking? I don't know. But the father, I'm sure, went several times, three or four hours in the morning as he sat and looked, prayed for his son, waited and looked, saw people come by. And one day when he sees his son coming, He recognizes his son. And one New Testament scholar said, in those days, you know, men wore robes, okay, so what? In those days, this father, when he saw it was his son, he did something that was very inappropriate. He pulled up his robes and ran to his son and grabbed him ready to receive forgiveness and offer forgiveness. 
So he said, Dad, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. I don't want to deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. Father saw him, his heart pounding in the ram, embraced him and kissed him. The son started to speak. Father, I've sinned against you and against God. I don't deserve to be called your son. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servant. Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a prize-winning heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead, and now he's alive. Given up for lost, and now he's found. Okay. You ever been a prodigal son? You ever been a younger son? You ever gone in a far country? You ever done things you wish you hadn't done? I really haven't, but I did in my mind and my heart. Because Jesus says if you've lusted, you've already lusted against somebody. Lust is in the heart. Starts there. We're all the younger son, every one of us. What's God calling you to do? Be a younger son? Come back? Or being the father? Ah, now we get down to it. The older brother. About this time, the older son was out in the field. When the day's work was done, notice. He was faithful. He approached the house and he heard the music and dancing, calling over one of the houseboys. He asked him, what was going on? He told him, your brother came home. Your father has ordered a feast cart barbecue because he has him home safe and sound. The older brother stomped off in angry sulk and refused to join his father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, Look, how many years have I stayed here serving you, never giving you a moment of grief, really? Maybe. That's his story. But you have ever, never thrown a party for me and my friend. But this son of yours, who's thrown away your money on whores, shows up, and you go out with the feast. The Bible doesn't say he was with the horse. Probably was. But notice that the older brother did not say that brother of mine. He said that son of yours. He was not wanting to be a part of that younger son. How tragic. Tragic. So the father forgave him comes out to the older son and says, Son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time. Everything that is mine is yours. This is a wonderful time, and we had to celebrate. The brother of yours was dead. He's alive. He was lost, and now he's found. Now, which son hurt the father the most? At first, the younger but as the story ends, and we don't know the rest of it, as the story ends, the older brother, I've been good. I know the truth. I've held on to the true teaching of the Bible. That younger son, 
of yours. Look what he's done. And you're parting with him, the father, brokenhearted, went back into a party, more disappointed in his older son than the younger son. Because the younger son, classic rebellion, running away from God, running back. Little country church one time would invite new members to the church, and whenever you come to that church, you get to give your testimony. So the deacon said, the Baptist church said, tell us about your, your conversion. Well, I run after myself. I run away from God. What did God do? God run after me until he caught me. He was looking for you. He was looking for you. Are you the older brother? Do you think you're right? And they're wrong? Whoever they is? We've just gone through a major change in our country and in our denomination. Uh Are you willing to forgive and realize, too, that we all are sinners and we desperately need each other? No wonder the world has turned off to us because we are not accepting what Jesus simply said, love your enemies and forgive. Questions? Responses before I summarize. Anything not clear? All right, I got questions for you. Who do you need to go to to ask forgiveness? Don't don't answer. Who do you need to go to to ask forgiveness? And don't go and say, "Well, if I was wrong, I was I was wrong." Will you forgive me? Who do you need to forgive? You know, you're giving your gift at the altar and you remember your brother has something against him. What does he say? Somebody. Leave the gift at the altar and go make it right. So, yeah. Amen. All right. I can go on or we can wind down. What do y'all want to do? (laughs) Any questions? What are you going to do? As I pray, I'm going to ask you to ask God to tell you one thing you need to do as a result of this. Almighty God, we're going to be living in heaven with everybody that's born again. And maybe some people will be there that we didn't know were going to be there. Help us to learn how to get along with people here, even if we disagree. Our country is going through a major split. And Abraham Lincoln at the Gettysburg Address said in 1863, we have every reason in the world to believe that the effort will be good if we can just manage coming back together in our country And I pray that you'll show us where you want us to go and how. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to give you one last quote and I'm done. John Adams wrote to Abigail Adams on the passing of the Declaration of Independence. I'm well aware of the toil and blood and treasure that it costs us 
to maintain this declaration. And we will never know what it costs those to sign the declaration and support and defend these states. Yet through all the gloom, I can see rays of ravishing light and glory. I can see that the end is worth all of the means. I'm asking you, do your part to make America great. Not the way one politician says it. Make it great because we want to be like Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Grab the hand of the person next to you. Let's form a big chain across. Pastor Demi, I just want to tell you everybody that how awesome it is to look out and see the crowd that's out there and everybody that's showing up. So everybody that's asking people to come, everybody that's just to see everybody that's returning and stuff is great. So thanks be to God. <laughs> Will you receive this blessing today in light of what you've heard? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. May you know that you are perfectly loved, you're completely forgiven, and you're uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out into the world and live as God's faithful children. Guess what, folks? You're going to make some mistakes this week because we are human. We make mistakes. In the light of that, it doesn't change how God feels about us. There's nothing you can do that would make God love you less. There's nothing you can do that would make God love you any more. Because the nature of God is love, according to 1 John. Which means that when God looks at us in his amazing grace, he says, y'all are nothing but the best of the best of the best. And if you can believe that, if you can find within yourself just to believe a pinch of that, it would transform your week. So my prayer for you is that in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you go from this place with that word embedded in your heart and that you go in peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.